0: This episode of the Garage Build podcast was recorded live in the Hell on Wheels Law Fran Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or visit lawfran.com. The Fran Hosh Law Group, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for 20 years. For 30 years, Badlands Modules has produced American-made lighting modules for American V-Twins and custom motorcycles. And for the last two decades, NAMS Custom Cycle Products has supplied builders and bikers with top-shelf wiring solutions for their projects, no matter the scope. Today, NAMS and Badlands proudly introduce premium LED lighting options from Electric Lighting Company. Go to electriclighting.com and use the discount code SPEED2020, and you'll receive free shipping on all orders over $100 in the lower 48. You can also follow Electric Lighting Company on Instagram, at electriclightingco. That's electric, L-E-T-R-I-C. For 5 decades, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company has produced mind-bending custom motorcycles and cutting-edge parts for American-made motorcycles and custom-built V-twins. From their new 10-gauge engine covers to performance air cleaners and exhaust systems, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company continues to lead the charge for the next generation of custom builders. Visit arlenness.com and enter the code GARAGEBUILT10 to save 10% on orders over $100. The Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company. Family owned and operated for 50 years. By now, I'm sure you've heard me talk all about my workwear from 1620 USA. Here's what you need to know 1620 workwear is 10 times more abrasion resistant than traditional workwear, and it lasts up to 5 times longer than the workwear you're already wearing. Their stretch fabrics move with you and not against you, and need no break in period. You deserve the best workwear that is made right here in the USA, period. Visit 1620USA.com and use the discount code SPEEDMETAL, and you'll save 20% at checkout. You can also follow them on Instagram at 1620USA. 1620 Workwear, made in the USA and guaranteed for life. So you've heard all about Fix Your Lids grooming products. Personally, I use the Extreme Hold Pomade the most, but they offer much more than that. They also offer styling gel, shampoos and conditioners, a forming cream, a styling fiber, and a regular Hold Pomade. And the best part is 100% of all fixture lid products are made in the USA, right down to the packaging. Fixture lid products are available online at shopfyl.com and they'll ship them right to your door. Fixture lid styling products, cruelty free and proudly made in the USA. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 54 of the Garage Built Podcast. This will be our final episode published for the 2020 year. What a crazy year it was, right? We did hit our goal my goal was to hit 50 episodes this year and i hit it and in doing so i wanted to just send a warm heartfelt thank you to everybody out there that listens everybody that shares everybody that goes online and reviews believe it or not that stuff still helps i want to give a few special thank yous out i want to thank the fran Hosh law group of palm harbor florida for always championing our causes for always participating in all of our events not just mine And for serving the tampa bay biker community for over 20 years fran and uh, her husband red are personal friends of mine and they just they feel like they can't do enough for our community and and honestly they do so much and i just wanted to say thank you i wanted to thank the team over at nams custom cycle products electric lighting and badlands for helping us out all this year you guys are great don't forget our code speed 2020 get your free shipping on any of your orders with them over 100 dollars. My dude Josh Walker over at 1620 USA for keeping me laced up in the finest workwear all year at all the events. If you guys haven't gone to 1620 USA and bought yourself some some workwear, this stuff is all made in the United States. It's all guaranteed for life. And I'm telling you, it is worth every extra penny that you spent. And we do all we can to help you with that by saving you 20% using our code SPEEDMETAL at checkout. Fix your lit hair products. Thanks, guys, for sticking with us through 2020. I look forward to 2021. Go to shopfyl.com. This is the same hair care products that I use every day. I know it's silly that I'm talking about hair care products on a motorcycle podcast, but hey, if you know me, you know I'm a little vain, and you know I always got to have my hair coiffed just right and fix your lid. It takes care of that. Um, the Arlen Nest Motorcycle Company. My dude over there, Kelly, Steve, Corey, Zach, all you guys are fantastic. Oh, thank you for um, for all you've done for me this year. I look forward to a prosperous 2021. Go to their website. If you're ordering anything, use the code garagebuilt10. It's going to save you 10% on checkout. Also, my dude Mark over at Lex and Moto. Man, I got laced up with a FT4 Pro early in the year. I don't really ride with a lot of people. Everybody knows that. But This thing is perfect. The sound quality on it for phone calls. It's easy to use with gloves on. The music comes through. You can't see it. It's not clunky. You know, as far as you don't see the microphone, it's not bopping in the face. It's a really good product. And uh, I also want to thank the dudes over at Pro One Performance um, for hooking me up with a couple things for my new FXR project. Uh, I also want to introduce, we have a new partner on the show, Ray's Energy Drink. Go to rep.com promotions.com r-e-p-p-r-o-m-o-t-i-o-n-s.com use the code garage built and you're going to save 15 percent on your order we got a giant package from them um, their product is fantastic no crash no sugar it's a really nice they have four flavors again i know it's a motorcycle podcast but those of you looking for a little extra boost to get you through your day Raise energy drink. It's also available at GNC, but you're not going to save the 15% that you're going to save with the code garage built. So, to go to reppromotions.com, get yourself a sample pack, see which one you like. Uh, this episode is with a dude named Dan Ketchum. He lives halfway in between Detroit. Well, not halfway. He lives a little bit closer to Flint than he does Detroit. Awesome dude. Got a killer shop in his backyard, and uh, he does stuff for the general public. So, he's not just a, a backyard guy. A uh, super cool guy. I Went up there and hung out with him for the morning over Thanksgiving. And uh, we chopped it up a little bit about what he's doing, what he's seen, where he wants to go, what he wants to do. This is one of those dudes I wish I could talk into moving to Florida because he's really talented. And he's a hardworking guy. So thank everybody that came to our Wheels of Steel show. Our second annual was a hit. Thank you, Boosted Brad. Thank you, Jeff G. Holt. Thanks to the guys who at Denton. Performance, uh, LaFever Custom Cycles, my dude, Corey Souza. Marty from NAMS, Ronnie from Chop Docs, Aaron and Natalie from The Tehaven, Haven, CW, my homie from Bare Knuckle Performance, Brian Butera, my dude Anthony over at Tinworks. If you guys remember the old chassis design company, that's Anthony Keeling and his new company's is Tinworks, and it's just as badass as it ever was. So I'll quit talking. I'm going to write about the five minute mark. Thank you all so much for getting me through 2020. I look forward to a prosperous 2021. We're going to be at all the major motorcycle events. We've got a new mobile studio getting delivered soon. So God bless and Merry Christmas. The three, two, yep. one, count yep. down, like, countdown, we see in Wayne's world, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to try to do this episode with all the commercials live, not live, but uh, pre-programmed and then um, just to save me production time and then not do an intro. So no, you- uh, welcome back to the Hell on Wheels Built podcast. I am Jason Hallman. I am in Montrose, Michigan. Yes, that Montrose. Yes, yep, that, that, <laughs> I, the bustling metropolis that it is. Exactly. I didn't even see a downtown or anything. I saw a couple couple stores there, right by the right by the uh, exit. That I don't remember that being there when I was our a town. kid. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, you got to go, go a little bit further, further down. Yep, right. Yep, yeah, because yep. I used to go to the Great Lakes Freestyle comp- Freestyle competitions with Greg Flowers, uh, that he used to put on in the
1: 80s. That's how long ago I was coming up here. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 40. So. You're 40. Are you okay? All yeah. right. Cool. So introduce yourself. All right. My <laughs> name's Dan. Um, said from Montrose, work on motorcycles, like motorcycles. I'm also a full-time machinist, lathe operator. I've um, been doing this for a little while. Right. now. And so you have, in, in, you're on Instagram is how I found you. Yeah. Yeah. Found me on Instagram. I go by Black Label 10 or BLK Label 10. Um, I just like post p- pictures of the stuff I make. And I try not to like do selfies or anything like that. Cause you know, <laughs> I'm a heterosexual male right <laughs> well
0: i am a heterosexual male also but i do selfies from time to time or i give people my phone and ask them to take
1: candid shots of me and i pretend that i'm just not posing <laughs> well i mean like i said you gotta rep your set so right yeah you, know, yeah you gotta do that to get get your free stuff i understand right this is a killer shop, dude I appreciate that thank what, you i'm looking around how big is this is this is
0: 20 by 40 uh 40 by 60 40 by 60 okay so a, this is big
1: yeah with 12 foot ceiling nice um is between this is this uh this building and the front room in the house are why we bought the property. Okay, Literally. so there's like a killer like entertainment room kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. That again had to redo. Like I said, um, bought it off a of meth head. If you ever get the opportunity to do that, don't. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, Was there any treasures?
0: You said that this whole this whole this is a thousand square foot. So right, yep. sixty by 40, Yeah, thousand square foot. That's uh, no, that's not right, is it? Am I doing the math uh, right? It's bigger than that. It's. That's 2,400. 2,400 square foot. Yeah. So 2,400 square foot. Uh, it's early, folks. I'm only,
1: I've only one beer in. Um, you said it was like four foot high with shit? New deep garbage. Um, over it... by my tubing bender over there, there was a dead chicken. She had like free range chickens that would just walk around. So like all the walls were covered in chicken shit. And there was, there was shelving that went all the way around the outside, which right. I was told I could have. And then it was stolen. Stolen, are gone, unquote. Yeah, gone. yeah. she loaded up and took it with her, sold somebody so else. So she went through all. She worked her way all the way through the shit to uh-huh. get. To get there, that. there, there was stuff on the shelving. You could tell they just took and dumped it, and then took the shelving rack out.
0: So they they were resourceful meth heads.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. She hired some, you know, some
0: quality. I actually find that meth heads are extremely resourceful. Of all the, <laughs> all, of
1: all the drug addicts, they're very resourceful people. Well, I mean, they're doing a drug that makes them want to get up and do things, I guess. So if they're going to wreck something. (laughs) I mean, mean, it's like you you can't afford Adderall, (laughs) right? But you can make some shake and bake out here in in the garage. Yeah.
0: Ruin your life that way. Meth heads are. Meth heads, like I said, they're that you can get some good deals from them sometimes.
1: Yeah. I mean, got a good deal on the property. It was just from I took possession of the property on January 1st and didn't move in until Labor Day. That's how much work was put into the property before. we.
0: Was she gone when you took
1: possession? Yeah. I mean, that was a whole nother battle. I was actually supposed to to get possession beginning in December. When we went to do do the closing, that turned into a, almost a fist fight. And she demanded more time because she didn't know she was moving until that day. Yeah. But she was selling the house. Yeah. Purchase agreements guaranteed said I would get possession debt closing. Well, they at least held the rent, the rent back, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, we had another house at the time that we were living in, so we were actually... I would have a hard time with that. Oh, it was... It, I would it have was, a fucking hard time with that. Yeah. I oh, would, and I, I she called the cops bit. on me like two or three times in the process. a single fucking day, just getting shit out of here, just being <clears throat> annoying. Well, so. the, the adjacent property that butts up to it, right? I could go on to that, because I couldn't actually walk onto the property I owned. Well, I caught her stealing stuff out of the house she wasn't supposed to, she called the cops on me for that. They weren't getting involved because it was a civil matter. Oh, yeah, right. You yeah. know, so whatever. So I would just <laughs> sit there and watch and, and videotape with my iPhone everything she was taking out of the house. So I, and yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I got the cops calling me again for that, and the cop was like, you don't have anything better to do? And I was like, oh. Well, no, that's my no. fucking money. That's yeah. my fucking I'm, house. I'm half suspecting that she's going to burn it down before she leaves. Is so. it Was it insured? Yeah, it was oh, well, insured and go. everything. I mean, but, that would you know, have been a blessing, yeah. actually. You know yeah, I mean? you
0: Get a good public adjuster and just, like, have them work out all the details and end up yeah. building some Taj Mahal.
1: Yeah, <laughs> when, when we still ended up, I mean, for for what it is, there's we had a 30-foot addition to it and redid the whole basement and everything like that. So it's... You know, it's a nice piece of property now. We did all right with it. You know, it was just, yeah, it's a nice place. When I pulled up, I was like, damn, this is, this is, (laughs) this is one of those, those things
0: I was talking to you about a little bit ago where I'm like, okay, I know I'm, I'm hypercritical of people who have shops at their house, but at the same time, this is a little bit different situation and, and just to quantify that or qualify that it's, you're not in a metropolis. You're not, you're in a very rural area. So it's almost impossible to try to do this as a vocation to sustain yourself i mean there's not a lot of subsistence in this area i would think from a motorcycle
1: shop no there's in honestly if i was trying to do just the motorcycle thing and not be a machinist I I would be broke. I wouldn't have any of the things I have because right now, even in this time of um, year, everybody forgets they even own a motorcycle in Michigan. But if you own, I will tell you that if you
0: owned a motorcycle shop, you'd still be broke. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just for a different set of rules, different yeah, set of reasons, that, right? That's possible too. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking constantly broke. Well, <laughs> I ride that. I tell everybody I ride that razor's edge. If I'm if I'm if I'm not riding that razor's edge, I'm using up too much of the road, or I'm in the fucking ditch. <laughs> yeah, those are my yeah. options, right? And so, at, and sometimes all in the same day, right? Yes, uh, yeah. My my bank account is like Michigan weather. You can have <laughs> you all just, four seasons in one day in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Well, you can have all four different situations. You know, I'll have ten thousand dollars in my bank account when I go home at six o'clock or seven o'clock on a Wednesday night, and I get up at five o'clock in the morning, and it's just. NSF fee. What the, f- <laughs> How the fuck does that happen? You know? And then you're like, Oh God damn it. You know, uh, somebody over at one of the vendors, you've been waiting on something for four weeks. You sold five weeks ago yeah, and they just, they hit your card and you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I'm glad
1: that money was there. So I didn't, you know? Yeah. yeah I, get, I had I somebody, get
0: I had a good week one week. Um, this is several years ago when I was working completely by myself. I had a real small, I had a shop that was much smaller than this one actually. And, uh, in a commercial, like, industrial area. Everything was appointment only, and I was just working my book of customers, you know. And uh, I was building a big wheel bagger for somebody. And so I had a, a fair amount of money in the bank on Saturday when I – or Friday when I went home. Saturday, you know, you don't even look at that shit. You go to work for a couple hours on Saturday. Sunday, I'm closed. I get to work on Monday, and somebody had jacked $5,000 from my bank account. Oh. They bought 10 $500 gift cards from H&M in Orlando. Oh, And I thought, uh, I'm not going to recover. I don't, I felt like Joe Exotic. I'm like, I'm not going to financially recover from this, right? (laughs) And and I ended up calling the bank and they're like, relax, we got you. You know, you're insured, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what do we need to do to go after these pricks? And they're like, well, we don't process that anymore. There's just, credit card fraud is so prevalent that they don't even go after it anymore. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. That's, well, I mean. It's, I'm in the wrong business. I need to be in credit card fraud. Yeah. If yeah. They're not going to prosecute
1: or pursue it, you know. <laughs> victimless crime, whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's, that's kind of BS because well, it, it, it's not a victimless crime. It's coming from somewhere. It's, Somebody's replenishing what was took from you from somewhere else. Yeah. Where is just, that
0: coming from? It's just all that money they print in, in, in D.C. Yeah, still in yeah. Yeah. We look at just,
1: it. yeah, we'll just print more. What's the story with the machine shop sign? Okay, um, I mean, I know at the machine shop, the machine shop in Flint. Yep, that's actually, actually the sign from the from the machine shop in Flint. So is that place gone now? No, nope, it's still there. What happened was, I worked there for about ten years. For the first ten years, it was open. I was the front door guy. Okay, so you know Eric, Eric. Uh, yeah, Whitey. I, yep. Yeah, a little bit. I know. I I was, I was really antisocial, even though I worked the door at a bar. <laughs> It's also the loneliest job to have in the bar because everybody says hi to you when they come in, and then they never come back. Right, yeah. So once everybody's in there, you're just kind of standing there by yourself. And I was also the dude that kind of – I wanted the owners because they were really good guys to be able to go out and pal around and be friends with everybody. And I was going to be the dick that was going to instill – Well, that's what the door guy is kind of supposed to be. You're kind of supposed to set the tone of, like, how everybody's supposed to, you you know. Can't act like that in here, you know. Yeah, exactly. And – Somebody had thrown acid on that. You You're basically like the Patrick Swayze character in Roadhouse. Oh, I, actually, when he asked me to do the job, he, he was like, are you ready to come be? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm watching a lot of Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. And getting, right, you yeah. know, it's my way or the highway. Hey, Dalton, I didn't know you were back in town. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> um, but somebody threw acid on that sign. Right. And they got a new one, and we pulled it down, and they um what are you gonna i asked them, what are you guys gonna do with this i'm gonna throw it away like no you're not i rolled it up with it and put a ratchet strap around it. put it back in my truck and i took it home and so i've had it ever that's since. that's like a banner kind of thing it's a big it's a it's like plastic real thick plastic okay. with like a screen printing over it and then where the acid was thrown on there we took just acrylic paint you can actually see it over the a yeah. and the c and the h yep and just repainted it dude that is uh for somebody that grew
0: up here and and knows what that is that's that's fucking rad. Uh, one, a few years back, I went to um, when I left JR Cycle Works. Uh, Evan changed the name to our what our corporate name was, which is Plymouth Cycle and Speed, mm-hmm. right? Well, so that was the signage he had put up, which I totally understand and don't have a problem with. Well, my original sign from the th- th- my dad and I hung up was behind his shop for years, and I kept telling myself I need to go over and get it. I need to go over and get it. He was going to let me have it. It was on like tin, and it was just some decals. And I, I tell you, man, I fucking, it's it looks like a huge regret of mine that I didn't didn't go get that. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. It's to have Every sign like that that's in here awesome. that's a business sign is like the, if you look back on the back corner where there's one that says Vic's Bar. Yeah. That's from a bar that's over just on the, on the west side of town, outside of town. I used to drink in there underage. Nice. So that's why I got the sign. That's perfect. And yeah, then, I love shit like that. And yeah.
0: your little machinist corner there, I mean, dude. Those tools, I've got something that I've, I'm going to send to you when I get home. Uh, I've got some original Model T. When you bought a Model T, you got tools. Yep. yep. And I've got some of those. I'll, I want to send you one, just so I, you know, give you something for your shop. There. Oh, it's appreciate so that. Cool, man. Yeah, my Very uh, cool.
1: uh, my best friend Ron, who the cycle sign on the other wall. Uh, he's huge Ford guy. Model, he owns a Model T. Um, just built a Model A for a customer last summer. Right, but he's got all the little knickknacky. If it says Ford on it, he's got to have it. You know, especially yeah. if it's rusty. It's yeah, his favorite that's thing what, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a really great customer in Florida that
0: he'll he'll never never hear this, but his name is uh, Jerry Ford. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and he's a, he was a, a Millwright machinist in in Florida, which is very different than a Millwright machinist here. You know, Florida's a, a right to work state. Florida doesn't have the manufacturing that we do, so Millwrights and machinists were are very different positions more like one-off just kind of well so no he worked for he worked for one of the one of the like uh phosphate mine companies or something so okay he fixed the shit they They broke broke, the stuff mm -hmm. you were talking about fixing yesterday you know front end loader parts and hydraulic cylinder parts and shit well he was in the union down there uh, but it's it's a very different experience in Florida than w- than what it is in Michigan. It's a very different meaning in Florida than what it is here. The union guys are, are proud union guys down there, and they govern themselves amongst themselves like union guys do. Okay, you know. But as a whole, unions are not uh, not seen as uh, very valuable things in Florida. It's a very unique situation, and I know that mm-hmm. Michigan's now a right-to-work state, too, so I know there's some there's some changing uh, occurring in that as well, but he he gave me—he retired, and he comes in all the time, and he gives me tools, like all of his old tools. I've got oh, all these wow. old brooches and his machinist uh, handbook and all these different pieces and parts, and he just keeps giving me stuff. It's really kind of fucking cool, and while well, he—because his last name was Ford, he thought it was cool to have— the Ford Model A and Model T tools. So he he just gives me, you know, gives me that kind of stuff.
1: All I've got a generic style, uh, one of the wrenches that they have. It's kind of like a monkey wrench. Yeah. And it works really good if you have, like, a 41-millimeter fork cap that won't come off. Yeah. You can put that on there and beat on it with a hammer, and it will pop it. Isn't it amazing,
0: the quality? You know, um, I talk about this all the time with Paul at Bare Knuckle because he's, he's very, uh, very much um paul is is very much uh, a fan of the way things used to be done he's you know oh, i don't know if you know paul well or not but i don't
1: know him well i buy i buy his parts and i love him yeah. He, yeah well paul doesn't there's no
0: bullshit there's no fat with him there's no he he just doesn't he doesn't suffer any fools so as soon as someone clou- is a clown he's he's just done as soon as you do something that's clownish he's done with you i mean if it you know, we clown around. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Fucking Darren Williams, the painter, is is, is clown shoes as a human being <laughs> can get, and we have fun with that. But what I'm saying is, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, or you're building a part that's not where it's supposed to be, and you're you're putting it out there like it is, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't appreciate that, and he'll call you out on that shit. And so, he's very much in tune to the to how quality old stuff was made. Oh yeah, I mean, it's I just was- you can't even get the ore out of the ground anymore that. That, that those things were made with. It's
1: such a fucking good tool to last 100 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? My, my GMC truck's a 2012, and the door handle came off on my hand the other yeah, day. Yeah, they're plastic. I was trying, I was trying to get out, thing. And, yep. Yeah, it's in my hand. Okay, roll the window down, open it from the outside and get out. But that square body you have out here, that yeah, if, you, doors if you would pull on that <laughs> fucking
0: thing out here, that that and, and put, you know, put a little bit of technology in it, a little
1: bit of elbow grease, that thing's 40 years old and will last another 40 was, fucking years. Yeah, that was my everyday driver before I bought this truck. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm actually the blue bike, the, the rigid that's in the back. Right. My friend, I'm gonna, when that's done, I'm gonna tell him you can take that square truck and you're gonna make everything I want on it there you go yeah in and barter and yeah. trade yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's he big. doesn't know i'm doing that yet but he'll never listen to this <laughs> <laughs> he'll find out soon yeah, enough he'll right? find out when he picks his bike up bring your big trailer why because <clears throat> you're taking a truck yeah and this shop is just i think the shop is
0: just big enough to do exactly what you're trying to do i mean you've got several motorcycles you've got a
1: car project here those drag yeah. specialties boards are older than you are probably I got those from Ron when he closed his shop, and he didn't even—he had them stuffed in a corner behind the shelf while they weren't even on the wall. Really? Yeah, those yeah. things are mint, dude. Yeah, and I—I I just hung them on the wall. You know what just you need for those. You need to put nails in there, and then just as you find
0: the actual the, gaskets, the gaskets, oh, yeah. just old used ones that you're never going to fucking use, but fill that thing up. That top board is, is kinky. That's a, that's all ironhead shit.
1: Yeah, that's I figured
0: you'd cool. be into that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a, I love sportsers, dude. It's one of my guilty pleasures. You know, that in Depeche Mode. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm all over the place.
1: You know, well, I, I, I have no problem with the Evo Sportsters. I like those. I have two of them in here. But the Ironheads, I don't. I, I What do you not dis- like about Ironheads? I had bad experience with one guy. Did it touch? Can you show me
0: on the on the bike where it touched you? Yeah. Yeah. It touched me in <laughs> several places. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mostly in my wallet (laughs) oh well like i told you earlier you could have a fucking if you had a complete knucklehead sitting on the bench next to a complete iron head and you had to rebuild both of them it costs the same to rebuild them both i try to tell people that all the time with the sportster
1: thing but it wasn't even my bike it was a customer's bike and it would just it was so such a piece together piece of crap shit that you know been chopped up and cut up and didn't have the right swing arm didn't have the right brake but we welded this on there to make this work and it just like dude you need to strip this whole thing down and start over or put a bullet in it. <clears throat> well, you know? yeah, but that's
0: like... So, listen, you, you have to learn to get... You have to learn the... There's no other way to learn. There's no cheat code. Oh, yeah. Like, I can tell you all day long. I've got employees that work for me, and one of them in particular, who I give them a work order. You know, I write the bike up. I put as much information as I can in the... You know, we have the cause or the, the concern, the cause, and the correction, right? Mm-hmm. The three Cs. Yeah, And... You know, I'm, sometimes I don't think he reads reads the the concern, and he doesn't know. in he doesn't know he's supposed to fill in the cause, and he's supposed to suggest a correction. And if you're, you can't come up to me. You can't read, uh, read the the work order, look at the bike, and then come up to me and go, "What do I need to do?" I'm like, I'm, I don't have that information for you. That information is <laughs> <It's on>
1: the- <laughs> if, unless
0: you're going to read the manual and come to me and go, hey, I don't understand this part in the manual, don't come to me because I'm not going to give you my cheat codes. It's not the way it works. You know what I mean? If I watch you struggle, but I see you're doing the right things, it's, it's something that you can do, I think, after you've done this long enough. And, and I don't know how, how long you've actually done your You're 40, so you've probably been doing this pretty close to as long as I, I have, at least even as a hobbyist and figuring things out, is that <clears throat> I, you know, those diagnostic trees that are in the books? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can watch somebody and see if they're going through the diagnostic trees and I can see what the diagnostic tree is in, is in my head because I've just done it enough times. And if yeah. I don't see you going through the steps and going through the motions and putting the work in, I'm not gonna give you a fucking cheat code. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah not and, and you got that's knowledge that has to be earned. So that's where the iron head comes in. Now, even if it costs you a few bucks, you gotta pay somebody to fucking teach you something sometimes yeah. and you know, you either get you either get scrubbed knuckles,
1: broken tools. An empty wallet or a broken heart; those are your options, yeah. you or a I more mean? broke bike than what you started with. Because you just this will work. I mean, I have I know so many guys. that, Well, I just just band aid it and then I'll get to it later. Like, no, this thing will fucking kill you. They will, and you know, so yeah. it has to be right. So you're either going to spend the money now and get it right, or but you're you not going to get it. Oh or, yeah, or yeah, or you're gonna yeah, you're just gonna have a bigger problem, and somehow it's going to be my fault because I was the last one to touch it. Even though I told you to do all these things, well, that's another skill that that
0: I refuse to. Uh, I refuse to give people the cheat code on that too. I mean, you know, there's. It. I told you earlier. There's no such thing as a motorcycle emergency. Doesn't they don't exist? Yeah. <laughs> the only I, motorcycle emergency is the motorcycle's on fire and we need to put it out. Mm-hmm. And that's not even really. Uh, when does that happen? Yeah. You know, what I've mean? never caught one on fire yet.
1: fire yet. I caught that car on fire. I see that. Yeah, yeah it looks that like was awesome. Was flames out of yeah. the back of that. Yeah, thing. yeah some. Uh, Found that car on the side of the road. Went and did a little research, found out it's actually a rare Super Beetle. So, it's a setup. 73, 72? Uh, 72, Carmen convertible with the two-speed trans. Okay. and So, it's an automatic. It's an automatic. It's a, it's a weird thing. The clutch is actually when you push it into gear, and then you let off the shifter, and then the, that's what lets the clutch out. Okay. So, you actually can't hold on to the shifter while you're driving. Otherwise, you'll pull the clutch in. It's, it's, it's fun. It's like It's like driving that old arcade game where it hit high and low gear yeah you know that's what that car is like driving it right so but obviously it's been hacked up it's been in michigan it's a rust bucket you know picked it up really cheap i was backing it out of here one day and backed it into where i was going to park it so i could work on something else in here and i thought this thing's running really weird and i looked in the rearview mirror and the whole back of the car was fire oh cool how much damage um, motor smoked. Every rubber piece wearing in there. But I knew that I was gonna tear it down anyway. Put a Porsche motor in there pretty easily. That's so actually. I worked for a short time. I worked for a hot rod guy, and one of his good friends had an old Porsche. Love that car. Love driving that car. Square one. It was. It was the bathtub style. Forget what the numbers were on it. So they consider I, that that's like a 928.
0: Yeah, it's 914. Yeah, 928. yeah
1: 914. I think is what yeah. it was. And but he knew those are kind of miserable. If he drove that car and wrecked it, it was gonna cost him like 50-60 grand to fix it. Right. So he went and bought a bug and put all Porsche parts underneath of it. There you go. And that bug, I'm not a fan of them. I don't like them. I think they look cheesy. But that bug was fun to drive. Do you think these look cheesy? Yes, I do. I don't
0: I find this to be one of the most iconic. That Nazi cars. automobile. No. It's the Germans,
1: <laughs> you now, know. I like the Carmen Gia. I like the, the Carmen Ghiaz. Really? Those are uglier and f- Fucking oh, I think homemade, homemade sin, dude. Oh man, I think those terrible. look like the like a hot rod Studebaker. I just think they're cool. Well, there
0: you, that's even fucking worse. Oh. Studebakers are fucking homemade sin too. <laughs> those are fucking ugly. This is the
1: difference between Florida and Michigan. I think this is the difference between the fucking middle of the state and downstate. <laughs> <laughs> middle of from, being from fucking. Mar- well, see, because yeah.
0: you guys had you guys had that big that line of uh, Flint, yeah, Buick City, yep. you know. Which Buick actually makes one of my made one of my most favorite cars ever, and and I'm so God, I'm so reticent and so bummed out about Flint, and uh, it, you know I I come back here every year at least once if not twice, and I get my heart broken every time I come back to Detroit because in in I guess you're either part of the solution or part of the problem, but when I come home and there's less and less and less of what I loved and what I what i remembered and, and what was important to me and you know i don't think i could have i don't think i could have altered the the arc of uh you know i i, I think the downfall of, of detroit was was put in play long before i had any any skin in the game and certainly the dog was, yeah was That's, that was
1: before that was before either one of us were probably even born or right when we were born That's it was right that around that time that.
0: where it was you know uh People that don't, people that don't know and don't understand, you know, Flint, Michigan. <clears throat> so, I, I I love automotive history and I'm you know I'm a car buff. I was a car buff before I was a motorcycle guy. I'll be honest with you. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, I came about motorcycles organically just through my family. It's what my dad did. But there's a very unique story that surrounds General Motors and you know um, Charles Durant, who was the founder of General Motors, uh-huh. was, uh, you know lost control of that company was he created he first he fucked louis chevrolet's socks off and stole chevrolet from him created general motors brand did what he did with with buick and which was you know an iconic to me an iconic brand um and then ended up losing control of general motors getting it all back losing it again and when he died he ran a bowling alley in flint that his dad run you know what i mean like yeah. that's it's such a and it's if you think of it's of almost the a metaphor of that for Flint. story, it's such a metaphor, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and now we have the, the water problem in Flint, which breaks my heart. That anybody, you know, you have some of the best water in the, in the planet in Detroit mm-hmm. public water, sy- sy- you know, system, mm-hmm. and then, you know, f- not even an hour away or an hour the, away, you have the, the worst. The whole in the water
1: plant thing in Flint, like that is just teetering on a major disaster. Because there was never any upgrades done to the actual water plant one of my friends this company that he works for employs a guy but all he does is go to the flint water plant every day he actually doesn't even come into their facility he goes there every day to fix something that's broken here's what's going to happen
0: is that's going to uh that's that's going to eventually come apart yeah, people are going to go to flush and, their and toilet and it's not going to work anymore. Well, that or people are going to die. People are already dying from from how poisoned it is. and uh, But it's mechanically, you know, tie it back into the mechanical side of things. You know, it's. I remember when the Rouge plant blew up in 99. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that or not. But uh, one of my friend's uncles was in the control room and was burned very badly. Oh, wow. And got a full retirement from Ford Motor Company. And uh, Ford Motor Company did all the right things, in my opinion, in, in, in that Situation. Every day, they sent a limo to pick up my friends' uh, grandparents and drive them to the hospital. And William Clay Ford Jr. spent a lot of time at the hospital, making sure that families were cared for. But this is a public works department, mm-hmm. and everybody, everybody should have clean water, especially children. Yeah. You know what I mean. And so, from a mechanical standpoint, and talking about the arc of the state that we that we obviously both both love and care for, I moved out of here ten and a half years ago for personal reasons and just want to just chasing sunshine you know and chasing a 365 day a year uh motorcycle opportunity that you you know and to come back here every year and and, you know that's why you asked me earlier like why do you want to come here why do you want to interview me it's well it's because this still i need people to understand that the place that i i love and i come from and that still that this still exists
1: there's i mean we're still there's still people here trying i i will say the the friends that I have in the city of Flint mm-hmm. are extremely proud of the fact that they live in the city of Flint, mm-hmm. and that amazes me. Yeah. I give I make fun. I've tried to get my one friend Mark move out here for <clears throat> three years. Get out of the city. Get out of the city. Oh no, can't do. Can't do it. Can't do. It, can't do it. All yeah, right. Yeah, somebody's got to be there to carry. You know, to keep the lights on. Yeah. I mean, so I can. You know, I can respect him for that. I don't think it's the right decision, but you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there's
1: not my. You. It's not me. So <laughs> who am I to tell him how to live his life?
0: Yeah, arguably there's more opportunity in different in a different place, but you know it's just one less quality human being in in a place that is you know that was once the richest one of the richest places in the world. Flint was yeah within the last century, like legit within like, the last half century. That's really. What I'm saying, post World yeah. War II. Well, so you're going back now. It's yeah. post World War II, so it's seventy years. But there's a great book that uh, John Grisham wrote, and when I was teaching high school, all of my students, they were almost all boys cause I taught auto shop and they had no interest at all in, in reading for pleasure. And so I try to make them understand that, you know, you, there's, you haven't read the right book yet, right? So yeah. I would give them all, if I got a student that would agree to read a book, I would, I would go and buy him the book called A Painted House. And the Painted House story is about a sharecropping farmer family in Oklahoma that uh, is, they're all baseball fans, and they live in their third. There's three generations in one household, and there's this kid who is a. It's an only child, which is a pretty unique situation in a farming family. Yeah. who's the son of an only child, which is again a unique situation, and so there's grandfather, grandmother, father, mother. The mother that's married to the to this the, this kid, the kid that the that the book's about, his mother is uh, not real happy with the situation that they're in. She married this man thinking that they would get out of the farm and get away and do something, go to the big city, right? I mean, which is a—that story arc's been told a million times. Mm -hmm. But the kid wants his house painted. He lives in an unpainted farmhouse, right? Okay. Well, so the whole arc of the story without giving it away is they go through a whole summer of, you know, the the migrant workers coming in. And that whole situation, it creates all these other problems that occur, all these other dramatic situations. But at the end of the book— the goal of the whole thing is for the dad to be able to move to Flint. Oh, work, really? And work for Buick. Yeah. And so you, when you think about that, I don't know where John Gresham's from. I don't know if he's from Michigan or not. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. But, but this was Michigan was the epicenter of 100% of anything tied back to the automotive industry. Yeah. And I try to get people to understand And people in our industry understand very well, like you can say Milwaukee. Well, you know, everybody that works in our business for the most part, even if they're not in the service department, they understand that, you know, that what all these tools, all these tools that you have around your shop do something, right? They're all for a purpose. They're all meaningful. And they provide you with either problem solving or money making, right? Yep. And sometimes the two go hand in hand. They're not always mutually exclusive. And we can tie that to the motorcycle industry very easily through Milwaukee, but what people don't understand is that the level of employment provided to the average Detroiter, you know, mostly it was it was it was honestly it was it was mostly men, you know, yeah. after the after the World War II, but you go back a hundred and what one hundred and seventeen years now, right? Yeah, nineteen oh three. Yep, and you're talking about multiple generations of Americans that moved from all over the place like do you I, I, we, earlier you're, you're 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 playing music in here and there was I heard some hip-hop oh. There was some clutch there yeah. was some some heavier stuff you know yeah. and then there was some some rock do you listen to Tyler Childers do you no. know who that is no nope. so Tyler Childers is a guy from Appalachia that is an amazing amazing artist and he's got a song called Detroit and if you've If you're going to, if I'm going to introduce new music to somebody uh, uh, like yourself, I'm going to tell you when we're done with this download, if you have like Apple, I, I music, whatever download Detroit from Tyler Childers yeah, and just go somewhere and listen to the lyrics of that song. And the arc of that, of that song is, you know, it's like, uh, people from Appalachia, I don't know if you know anybody from there, but that's where my, my family hails from. Oh, okay. So it's destitute (coughs) poor, right? Mm Mm-hmm destitute poor there's no middle class there really certainly not 117 years ago and it was these these men that thought if they just came to Detroit if I could just get to Detroit everything would be all right and then they get to Detroit and they're overwhelmed and he does it all in the song and they're overwhelmed and there's just all these things coming at them. there's there's women coming at them, and uh you know poor choices and that and they you know there's they're they're not making enough they're not making the money that they thought they were going to make or whatever and then at the end he's writing a letter to his mom and he tells her that everything's okay. Like he's making more money than he ever made, ever thought he could make. And so Detroit made families prosperous. And for it to not do that anymore is why I come back every year and why I'm not, I I, I hope I'm entertaining people, but at the same time, I hope I'm casting a, a favorable light on men like you that have have a home and a wife and take care of a life and you still find a way to make sure that this doesn't get lost and this doesn't go into the ethos of you know you're not sitting around i can tell you're not sitting around jerking off to porn and and playing fucking call of duty nine hours a day yeah you know what i mean you're out here fucking busting your knuckles you got there's a dyna on this hoist there's an fxr with a twin cam over here there's dinas and rigids and you're also not you're not only focused on one type of bike you've got like lots of things going on here there's 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 a good aura in here. The essence in here is amazing. Oh
1: well, thanks. It's, it, you know, it Harley Davidson motorcycle. I am very biased to that. Is my that's my jam. That's what I am into, and I've kind of just been into all of them. I started out, you know, I, I actually I can except tell you for this, Ironhead Sportsters. Except for Ironhead Sportsters, so you know garbage, but I can tell you um, the story of how I came into wanting to do this. Please do. I, okay. I was, uh, I was 19 or 20, and uh, the Motorcycle Mania, first one, had come out. I did not watch it. I went, I was working at a car dealer, and oddly enough, the owner of the machine shop in Flint was my, was my sales manager. I was a car salesman. Okay. And he had a Harley. Had a 94 Softail Nostalgia model. Had it all customed out. Had customed it like two three times. Put a bunch of money into this bike. Was never getting out, but that was his bike. And I thought it was just rad. I thought it was one of the coolest bikes I'd ever seen. At the same time, my dad bought a 2000 uh, Sports, or 2000 Wide Glide, brand new. Right. And that was when you had to, like, grease the palm of the salesman to be able to get it. Yeah, we talk so about, about that on this podcast <clears throat> a lot that people don't yeah. understand. Yeah, he's, he had to slide that dude an extra five bills, and, but he got that bike. Yep. So, my dad buys the bike. This guy has a bike. I'm like, I want a bike. So, good luck. Yeah, well... Um, Another friend of Kevin's had bought the Sportster that's behind you, and it was stock. And he had had it for a year, and then he wanted to upgrade. Right. So I bought it off of him. Well, the, when getting back to when the Motorcycle Mania thing came out, Kevin had recorded it. We went to a Kid Rock concert in an RV. This is on VHS tape. And we go to the concert, everything's cool, whatever. We go to this bar after the concert that's in Fenton, and I'm still underage. Whatever they got me in was hanging out. I wasn't really drinking or anything because I wasn't a big sure. drinker back then. And there was this girl that was talking to me the whole time. And I was too stupid to realize that she probably wanted me to, like, go home with her. Right. And I ended up going walking <laughs> back on. Yeah. Naivete. Di- is divine a, intervention. Yeah, you you never know, man. You might have dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get back on the RV, and on the TV, they're playing the Motorcycle Mania. I sat down on the couch, and I looked at it, and instantly a switch flipped in my brain. Yep. And from that point on, it was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So how do I get to that point? So, um, you know, things happen, whatever. That year we went to, this was 2001. Me and my dad go to Daytona Bike Week on our stock bikes, have a good time, hang out for the week, do our thing. Um, come back home, riding around, doing whatever. We'd go to Sturgis that year go to Sturgis. We're there two days. Um, Guy pulls out in front of my dad. He wrecks in the hospital. Massive, massive TBI, traumatic brain injury. Really? Yeah. If he walked in here right now, you wouldn't know that ever happened. It's, he's fully recovered from it. Thank God. Everything's cool. He still rides to this day. Still has that same wide glide that he wrecked on. I rebuilt it for him. Right. But we come back home. Obviously, this was a long recovery. We were actually out in Sturgis for 42 days. I think 38 of them were in the ICU, if wow. I remember correctly. So you're having to stay out there, mitigate that. Yeah, I, I, I just basically quit my job. How I old had, are you at that point? You're 20, I'm 21.
0: 21, okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. You know, so um, now, granted, tragedy like that is something that my family had gone through before. We were, in, uh, we were hit by a drunk driver when I was 11. So it was, I was prepared for this situation right. mentally. I knew what we had to do to get through. Well, you had some coping. You had some skills. Yeah. Yeah. So we come back and it's, you know, I quit my job, just hanging out with them to get my dad back to work, get him healed up and then we'll worry about what I got to do. Right. He gets back to work. I start exploring career opportunities. What do I want to do? Do I want to go back to selling cars? Not really. Do I want to go back to doing this? And everything... Kind of revolved around well, I could do this job and I could make money and I could have motorcycles and hot rods. And I could do this job and I could make money. And I and finally, after like six thoughts, I went, well, "Why don't I just do motorcycles?" Do motorcycles? Yeah, the and common denominator in all of that yeah, is Yeah, it was all about rods. those. So I enrolled at MMI. Went to MMI. Orlando re- or Phoenix? Phoenix. Okay. Loved it out there. Loved I, at the time. I hated it because it was just it was way, I was I'd never been away. Across the country like that before, so it was a little bit of a weird shock. Right, and so I get a phone call while I'm out there from bike shop that's back here, and they're like, "We want to hire you." All right, coming home. So I came back here. I worked there for about three years. This was in the heyday, the chopper era. This is when also when MMI had three shifts and they're running 2,500 students through a shift.
0: Yeah, I have. A, I have a real. Um and we we can circle back to this, but I, I have a real uh, hard time with that that organization.
1: Oh, they were it it was a money grab. Yeah, I, it's it, a that's puppy one the, mill.
0: I call it a puppy mill. Yeah,
1: that was one of the things that I noticed when I was there. Is I was watching guys that couldn't thread a nut on a bolt. Oh, they can't tie their goddamn shoes. Yeah, you know, their and they're, and they're past school. school like with how did vans you pass this? Van. Yeah, attendance? Yeah, I mean, you're an idiot. Yeah. You know, I watched a dude this is when you had to uh like press sleeves into cylinders. Yep. Ripple one. And say, "Oh, it was good enough." <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me? It's got a wrinkle in it. You can't run a piston down that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't even think they teach that anymore. No, it's I, parts, they don't. It's a parts changing school. Yeah. So the one thing I will tell you is about when you attended it. I'm assuming you attended it 18 years ago, 15 years
1: ago, would, something around It would those. have been right around the – I was there when the Rubber Mount Sportster debuted. So that's 04. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was 03 when it would, debuted at school. So, so it was right around that time. What but, a miserable fucking direction that Sportster
0: took, too. Um, oh, absolutely! I you got to fucking movie. break the break the transmission. You got to split the cases. It's yeah. automatically a twenty hour fucking job on a on a bike that is it worth twenty hours worth of labor? Yeah. Um, and this coming from a sportster guy, yeah, I, I have a real uh, I have a real hard time with that that school. And so you came back, and that was Precision Cycle Works you worked for, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Precision Cycle Works those people that don't know actually built as far as a production chopper. S&S engine, Primo Rivera transmission. So, I'm I'm good with both of those. Uh, Their frames were American made, but all their bodywork was fiberglass. Their fuel tanks, steel rear fenders, fiberglass gas tanks. So the steel, the rear fender was steel. I don't know why I thought they were. I thought they were. I knew that there was some glass
1: work, and I just I remember thinking, okay, their their main business was they made fiberglass stuff. So like all the crap that you see at Bronner's and Frankenmuth, right? They made all that stuff. And it was, like, I, I walked in and they're piecing two two fiberglass halves together for a peanut tank on a chopper. And I kind of was like, that doesn't seem like a good idea. But whatever, you're paying me. Yeah, yeah, but when you learn how that kind of stuff works, and I don't know how it works, but
0: I know that there's there's some rhyme or reason to to that process. It's like when you talk about a Corvette having a carbon fiber glued together fucking frame.
1: Yeah, and but it like, doesn't have a... It's not holding a bomb. No. It's <laughs> holding gasoline. <laughs> yeah. right. You know, lay one down and you, you, you'll you'll break it. One spark and it blows up. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, uh, they tried that with doing race bikes back in the day, and they realized that that was a major safety hazard. Sure,
0: uh, um, it was. But as far as they for, the, to, era, they yeah, for the era, they did all. They did what did, they were they, doing to a, make it money. It was a nice looking chopper. It was yeah. a good riding chopper. I owned one um, for a minute. Uh, I owned one of their Detroit choppers, the Softails. But they would set up every year at the Broken Spoke. Yep. They were always set up at the Broken Spoke. And they used, I think their electronics were Primo Rivera Electronics built by Thunderheart. Yep. And, uh... You know, I mean, you can six of one, half a dozen the other. None of those none of those companies survived. Not one of them. There isn't a single one of those companies that survived. You know, Big Dog's back in business, but Sheldon Coleman doesn't own it. It's not Sheldon's business. It's somebody else's business. Somebody with more fucking dollars than cents in their, yeah, in their Somebody bought head. the name. Cause they- and, well, they bought all the intellectual property, and they're, re- they're redoing. They're building motorcycles again and stuff. And I called them just to be a parts dealer, and they want you to buy five units. I'm like, go fuck yourself. It's not... Why would yeah. I go buy five units from you guys at thirty thousand dollars when I can take thirty thousand dollars and go buy six fucking or five five thousand dollar big dog choppers that need a thousand dollars worth of work and yeah. sell them and make more money than sell them for ten grand, fifteen grand? I yeah. mean, because that's what's going on right now. There, there were bad bikes. I mean, they had Baker transmissions, they had S&S uh engines it was all proprietary baker stuff but but towards the end you know drop starter slam Mm -hmm. clutch weird you're if you put any real horsepower in a big dog you're breaking that transmission you know from what i'm told Uh, i haven't broke one yet but you know uh, (laughs) near the end there it was you know and i don't mince any words i mean it's not baker built a transmission that was designed by sheldon coleman's people it was still baker it was baker built it was good stuff for them. you know there's lots of proprietary stuff that, that went on back then. There was so much innovation going on. Like, people that hate on the chopper, heyday stuff, I'm like, you don't realize how much money was being funneled into research and development that oh, we yeah. still use today. We learned what shit doesn't work. Oh, yeah. learned a lot of what doesn't shit work. work you know? yeah. And at and the end of the day, when you look at Baker Drivetrain, um, give them a shout-out. They're doing – right now they got a black – I saw it yesterday. They have a Black Friday – sale a dd5 set so direct drive five speed for a grand a builder's kit yeah there isn't i mean any any one of these bikes you know that's got a five speed in it you know your fxr your dyno whatever that's a good transmission all these choppers over here that's a good transmission gear set you know as long as you got a case
1: oh yeah one of the things i do with the shovel heads one of them has a four speed in it all the rest of them later model five speeds it's a fantastic transmission. You yeah. almost can't break it, especially yeah. not with a fucking shovelhead. Oh, yeah. You'll break, you'll, you'll, the motor will leak massively before you break that transmission. <laughs> <laughs> Jump on the e-way, try to go anywhere, and
0: that motor will start puking oil from somewhere. Yeah, it's coming out. It's coming out at some place. But with with a five-speed, it's it's less problematic. Yeah. You know? And okay. subsequently, with a six-speed, it's even less. Yeah.
1: So, My buddy has a, has a shovelhead with a five-speed that he did an open chain primary on. Yeah. And you can tell when it loosens because he's got the filter inside of the primary. Yeah. And it'll start sounding like a sleigh because that chain starts rubbing on it. And that's when you know, okay, I got to slide the training back on. Yeah, a little bit. right. Yeah. But that thing every, every summer, spring, walks out, hits the key, and that thing fires right like up. A every time. Machine, yeah. Works. Know? Yeah. You know, and that he's he built that bike, shoot, probably 10, 15 years ago and yeah we, i mean
0: with a 40000 or with a 40 year old engine yeah you know what i mean yeah. it, it, the last what, yeah. so we're coming up we're coming up very close on the 40 years of the evo 84 would have been 40 years of the yeah. evo right late yeah. 84 yeah. late 80 yeah right yeah. um so we're we're 4 years away from that so we're we're 36 years into the, the, the last shovelhead yeah. being produced
1: i had a first year evo so, uh softtail in here about two years with ago. With the crazy
0: swing arm with the... Yeah, cra- with the, like half shovel head, half... Yeah,
1: yeah just... And it's got the weird starter set up on it. Yeah. But it's got... Yeah, and yep. it's got that
0: f- fucking miserable rotary top transmission or ratchet top transmission. Yep. No, rotary top.
1: Yep. As soon as I pulled the carb off, though, cleaned it, put it back on, fired right up. Oh, so it was brand like
0: new. It was a Bendix carburetor still. Actually, he had upgraded it
1: to a to a CV on it. So okay. So maybe he was cheating a little bit, but Yeah. I'm not I a mean, CV carb fan, are you? The, you know... I know I, a shoe I, bike I, has a Makuni. I have I put three Makuni's on this year. It's my first experience McCoonies. with Makunis. And that one on that FXR, when, it, when I put the Thunderheader on it, I started getting this like clucking knock. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell is that? And like I'm thinking of it's. Rod, the, I think it's, it's a rod. rod it's, it's the, the slide. slide. Yeah. I and the only thing that made it do it was that Thunderheader. If I take the Thunderheader off, put a different exhaust on it, that knock goes away.
0: Yeah, I just not a Makuni. Uh, Makuni is probably the most difficult way to get a job done that you can do so if i build a shovel head um and somebody asks me what i recommend if it's a 74 incher or a stock ish 80 i'm putting a a brand new zenith bendix with an adjustable main jet end of there's really no discussion and uh especially if it's kick and I am not a, I'm not a BendEx guy. Not, have you ever used a Zenith with the, no, the I Bendix? Actually, I with haven't. The, if you haven't ever, so the, the Keyans, so there's a Keyan that was built from like 86 to 89, I think. Those, I call those fire starters. They're miserable. You, you can get the bike to idle or run at full throttle, but there's no That's transition. my experience I've had with them. Okay, so that, but that's a, that's a Keyan butterfly. So it's not a Zenith. Okay. So the Zenith Bendix carburetors are probably, in my opinion, On an iron head or a shovel head the best carburetor you've got a nice small throat good low rpm signal they work well with a kickstarter and you know starters on iron heads and and shovel heads are are in my opinion fucking half garbage anyways and so i like to use that carburetor and uh, if you don't want to use that or if you've got a hot motor then we can talk about using a uh, an sns I mean, it's simple. It's a metered air leak. You've got a butterfly. The less moving parts, the better. Especially on an
1: old fucking if rattly you look bike. Look at every other bike that's in here, other than that FXR and my fuel injected Dyna. Mm-hmm. They all have SNSs. SNS
0: is, is it, But I will tell you, and I don't have any real personal knowledge of this, other than I, I just became a, an electron dealer. I, I'm interested in that. I've heard so, good things. Yeah. So every, I have a customer that's got one. Sean uh, FX, I think it's FXDX. Sean. Or Sean FXDX on Instagram. I can't remember can't remember which it is. I should look that up so I'm not mistaken. He put Electron on his Dyna and he says uh he said his mileage went way up. Really? And the throttle response is is amazing. I have heard I have seen firsthand the throttle response be amazing on it. So but uh, you know, when you buy when you when you buy in with Electron you gotta buy like I think it's five carburetors. So we we made our investment and, and I have one that I'm I'm thinking about putting on uh my big motor, so i'm a I'm a sucker for Evos, okay, and uh, I have a merch 120 that's going in uh, oh. my 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 FXR. I don't want to divulge all the things I'm doing to my FXr. I've got an 89 FXR everybody knows it is the swatch bike uh, with the gray splatter paint job and the the doctor Neons on it that that's the one that I had for this year i'm going to retire i'm going to retire that tin set. And uh, that'll, that'll stay in the shop. And then I've got a new tin set being painted right now by Fish over at Alleyway Customs. Okay, yeah, you mentioned that I earlier. can't fucking wait for everybody to see because of, I've, I've gotten so much uh, love from everybody over the Speed Metal Built logo, being okay. the old Hutch BMX logo, mm-hmm. that this new one, uh, I'm not going to retire the, the Hutch logo because I think it's the fucking coolest thing I've ever done. Even though I totally ripped it off, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to introduce a, a new bike that I've got come that I'm you know and I and I like you know I like kinky shit I like stuff that I don't want it to be perfect like I, you know m- one of my best friends is Cody Childress you know who he is mm-hmm. and like that dude everything he does is perfect and he'll sit on something he's got a shop like this at his house okay right yeah and uh, he is just he's a perfectionist and people know it. And if you don't know who Cody Childress is and you haven't seen his bikes, then I would encourage you to look and, and see it. His FXR is, uh, he's won the FXR show twice. He's won the Dyna- Dynamixer once. I mean, everything he does, I mean, he gets up every morning and he pisses excellence. <laughs> well. <laughs> when it comes to building. I'm yeah. going to grab another beer. You want another beer? Yeah,
1: yeah. Actually, I was just going to offer one to you.
0: Well, you know I mean? he did not so I'll beat you to it. <laughs>
1: My buddy found that, and I, I actually follow her on Instagram now because I okay, found her. We'll be her on yeah, too. I I mean, uh, that's about as perfect of uh, a frame as I've ever seen. <laughs> the FXR is nice, too. That's her FXR. Really? Yeah. Do tell. Who is she? Um, she goes she by. Let's
0: get her a few more followers. From yeah. The far, she goes I mean, by, she I
1: believe, like, uh, Ms. Pets, P-I-E-T-Z. Okay. And actually, she just posted some uh, behind-the-scenes, like, video shots of that photo shoot of that fxr really of her on it and my buddy found that the guy who i sold the little sportster chopper to found that in a head shop in some out-of-state place because he used to travel all around uh the country working you know that's a that's a michigan thing that term oh and the term head shop yeah
0: I did not know that people don't don't, uh, don't, people don't talk about head shops other places oh really yeah huh. i mean you know there's a few everywhere you go there's people from here that's what i love about being from michigan
1: everywhere i go i'm still from michigan you know oh what yeah. I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, um, I remember when I was living in Phoenix going to MMI, I have a shirt that says Flint, toughest turnaround since 1855. Right. And I went to a good guy's car show. And I'm looking at this, uh, like a 70-something Monty. It was flat black, had some old-school hot rod flames on the hood. Right. The inside was, the interior was all, like, brushed aluminum with, like, and then just black seats. Did it have the, st- the stock sw- uh, swing-out buckets? No.
0: You know about those, right? And, and the Cutlasses and the Monies had this, the fucking yeah, yeah. swing out. How pimp is that? Oh, yeah. Dude? You had them polyester slacks and them white fucking shiny. <laughs> yep, uh, them white shoes, with, shoes. The, <laughs> <laughs> rolling with the, the gold bark. buckles on them. Yeah, oh, you yeah. had yeah, a
1: pinky ring and yep. fucking, you know, like some kind of yeah. a fucking cigarette. And this, this straight, like, batoed out looking Mexican dude is sitting behind the car and I'm poking my head in the window. And he's like, he sees my shirt and he goes, hey, man, you talking about Flint, Michigan? I said, "Yeah, I'm from there." He goes, "Oh, I'm scared of you." <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> went, well, okay, <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> you talk about being at a car show and, and sticking
0: your head in someone's car. So I had um, Evan that owns Plymouth Cycle and Speed. He's born in '80, and so I'm seven years older than him. And then we had a kid that worked for us named Johnny Hogue that ended up being a fantastic fabricator and, and, and car guy. Um, was born in i think 86 well we were at a car i was at a car show with evan one time and i was showing him like a pinto and i was looking in the pinto and i had my head in there i was like i'm like oh this is what my part of my childhood smelled like the inside of this car so i was like evan come here so evan comes over and i go stick your head in this car and take a big big whiff and he did he's like he was okay i go that's what the '70s smelled like. Well, so <laughs> everywhere, follow, go, go forward a couple years. Him and John are at a car show, and Evans like looking at this Maverick or something, and he sticks his head in. And he goes, "John, come here." And they both stick their heads in, and they're both going. And the guy comes up, and goes, "Can I help you, folks?" You know, and he's like, uh, "No, nah, man, we're just. I was just showing him what the '70s smelled what? like. <laughs> that shitty old. Well, I think it's actually cool. The I'm a in." I'm a fucking fan of Pintos. like you, Really? Oh, dude. I, you Pinto, like weird stuff. Oh, I love... Dude, Ironhead
1: Sportsters and Pintos. pintos dude, a Pinto <laughs> with a big block
0: in it is like my dream car. No well, fucking wheelbase. I would put ten, <laughs> real tr- true 10 and a half, 28 10.5s on a 10-inch wheel in there. Fucking tuck them up under there with a fucking... Super raked because oh, the motor's yeah, so heavy. Yeah, yeah, dude. Just fucking... Just, you can't tell me here's the other car i've had several of them in high school i drove a fucking minted out rotisserie fucking restored mustang 2 with t-tops and red houndstooth interior
1: dude my best friend in high school had the same car wasn't mint but t-top notchback mustang was his first car mine was a mine was a hatchback that was was like like that was like our batmobile dude i love that
0: fucking car i've got so many videos i ran around my uh entire senior year the last two years of school so junior and senior year my grandmother bought me one of them fucking giant video cameras you know oh yeah the big yeah.
1: ones yeah with the with like the pistol grip on the yeah, front yeah of it. and yeah. i was fucking so i would just go to
0: every party we had driving around every fucking car show we had the drags strip, everything and i recorded everything i have fucking hours and hours and hours i need to get it put on digital before it gets destroyed but I was dry I would drive around. I had uh, Mustang twos were almost impossible to put dual exhaust on.
1: Yeah. So I had a
0: cherry bomb on there, and I would start. <laughs> I would be going down the road, and I would turn the car off and pump the gas a bunch, and then turn the car back on, and it would shoot a flame about three feet out the <laughs> back of this fucking car. <laughs> and I would do that and scare people. I had people run off the fucking road. I mean, and I got it all on videotape. Nice. I should put that. Out. I put a videotape or I put a video on Instagram like. A year or two ago, me driving around with my mullet, with my Charlotte Hornet hat on backwards, fucking driving in my Mustang, singing Motley Crue. Oh, dude. With your
1: T-tops. Yeah, I oh, couldn't yeah. get laid
0: in a gay lumber camp when I was in high school, dude. <laughs> and I, I fucking owned it. I just didn't. It, I gave zero fucks. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a Pinto, Maverick, Mustang two fan. But go fucking, anybody that thinks I'm talking fucking shit or that I'm full of shit, first off, Bob Glidden. Who until John Force about fucking five years ago, uh, won more national events than any fucking buddy. He's more Wallys than anyone in the world, mm-hmm. right? Pro Pro Five uh, Pro Stock had a Pinto, had a Mustang too, had a fucking Fairmont. All my favorite fucking cars. The dude only had like one or two Mustangs ever. Bob Glidden was the fucking was the the, the king of Pro Stock. And so that's, you know, you see a Pinto with the fucking wheels up in the air and it's just, it's so nasty. They're so fucking oh, it's, cool. It's
1: so, that was not what that car was intended to Fuck do when no, they came it off the line. But, so, but you dude, know what?
0: That fit, you know. Everybody that had, Roush had one. Dino Don Nicholson had one. Bob Glidden had a couple of, them. my buddy owned one of Glidden's Pintos and it's fucking bad. Bru- uh, Gl- Glidden Allen. Uh, th- th- one of his partners early on. So, yeah, I mean, like, drag racing's, like, it's the only thing. I fucking, I love drag racing so much, dude. And the kinkier the fucking car, the better.
1: My experience with drag racing, because, like, the guys that taught me how to initially do fab work and how to make sure that everything was straight right, were drag race guys. They'd build top fuel cars. Right. And I would look at what they were doing, you know, and, like, I have a, um, that blown-out rod and piston that's on my offerings st- yeah. out a of speed show, that's right. from their shop. Right on. That lasted like an eighth of a mile. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like $300 for the parts right there. Oh, yeah. Those, those Didn't engines, make it all the way down the track. Those
0: fucking fuel cars spin at 10,000 RPM, oh, yeah. and they're busting fucking 15% nitro methane. <laughs> those are oh, fucking... and they'll tell
1: you, you're not going fast unless you're burning a little bit of aluminum.
0: Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's right on that edge of hyper-eutectic yeah. fucking, you know, th- that, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah, you go a quarter mile bring it back in the pits, take the take whole car part, put it all back together and go another quarter mile. Yep. I just looked at it and they, they live for that stuff. And for me, it was like, it's so, that's much a lot work, of work. dude. It's <laughs> so,
0: my last car, my last 10, five car, I put it together. Um, I worked, I, I was, I was running Livernoy Motorsports. I was running the retail side of it. Chris Holbrook ran the, the, the engine build side of it. And uh, I bought, and this it's a funny story. I don't think I've ever told this story on the podcast. So my fucking wife God lover, <laughs> she, she burns my fucking house down. <laughs> What'd you two do two days before my birthday <laughs> in two thousand? Okay, okay. She was. It was one of those old houses in Garden City where every house in the fucking neighborhood has the exact same floor plan. Okay, you know, you walk in, there's a little landing, you mm-hmm. step up into the living room, then there's a small area that's not even big enough for a dining room, and then there's a kitchen behind a pocket door because houses were built without elect uh, without air conditioning. So you, mm-hmm. in the summertime, your mom would close that door while she was cooking the food yep. because so she didn't heat the whole fucking house yep. right and then at the night you turn all the windows up open all the windows and turn the attic fan on and it would pull yep. cooler air in that was air conditioning in michigan or you yes. slept in the fucking basement or you had a fan down at the basement stairs that blew it up, it blew the it up in, yeah in the exactly the house. yep right so my wife in the refrigerator was right next to the stove so my wife was cooking fries. She was frying potatoes on the surface of the of the stove. Okay. And on the side of the fucking refrigerator, what's on the side of every motherfucker's refrigerator, especially in a fucking lily fucking white white class middle or you know middle white class fucking neighborhood, it's a fucking calendar and all the kids fucking school work, yep. right? That's what's on the side of the side of the fucking fridge. Well, she's out talking to the neighbor while she's cooking chicken out on the grill. She's got potatoes frying on the front in the frying pan on the stove. She's talking the grease pops, catches the calendar on fire on the side of the fridge. Fucking house goes up in smoke, son. I had the original. The house the house that we bought was mint, dude. We were the third owner of it. We bought it in 1998. The house was built in 52. And we were the third owner. So the first couple that lived there bought it brand new in 52, lived in it until 90, because my mom and dad lived on that same street, and so I knew those old people. And oh, okay. they lived there until 94. Four. Okay. So we bought it in '98 from a couple that just used it as kind of a stepping stone home. Mm-hmm. So it had the original naughty pine fucking floors, oh. the original naughty pine fucking cupboards, but everything was perfect. Nothing had ever been upgraded, but nothing had ever been. I mean, dude, the tile work was fucking mint. You they were throwing that, wild keg parties. No, it had that like Pepto Bismol pink tub and the fucking <laughs> subway tile. Everything was mint in this fucking house. Well, so. The fire department comes in, kicks the fucking door down, blasts out all the windows. They're fucked. It was right before they switched from water to foam, so dude, I had yeah. just finished the basement, so the basement was fucked. Everything I lost, I, we we ended up. It was it ended up being the best thing that had happened to us up to that point. But at the same time, as a young couple with two kids, it was it oh, was yeah. devastating. Oh yeah, right? I'm It's, sure it it's was. tough when you're okay. standing out. You know, this is a '98. I'm 25. My wife is 23. And we're, we're or 2000, so I was 27, my wife is 25, and we're standing out in front of our house while they're kicking all the fucking windows in, and my wife can't stop crying. She's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, fuck, dude, are you kidding me? I had this motherfucker insured to the gills, dude, when I was just making, I was selling cars. Yeah, we are moving on up. Yeah, and I made enough money. That I don't know why. I just when I called the insurance company, I'm like, hey, I want to insure this new house my wife and I are buying. They're like, well, what kind of policy do you want? I'm like, I'm on the absolute best policy. So they got me an HO5 policy. So if you're ever shopping for insurance, if you listen to this podcast, ask your fucking insurance agent about an HO5 policy. Because <laughs> I mean to tell you, we paid 945 for this house. They paid us, they paid us forty five thousand dollars for contents. They paid $88,000 to redo the house, and nothing on the outside of the house had to be done other than the windows. Dude, when we moved back into this fucking thing, it was a 1,000 square foot of fucking splendor. Dude. Oh, I'm it sure it was. Like it was fucking, like... Dude, like a lot of winning kind of <laughs> yes, shit, dude. I thought I was fucking like, <laughs> woo! <laughs> and I worked at Livernoy mm-hmm. Vehicle Development at a time, or Livernoy Motorsports, and one of my buddies who just passed away... Um, keith zabo rest in peace the greatest street racer of all time the greatest outlaw racer of all time hands down there'll never be another keith zabo but um his dad was coming into livernoy and there was this dude that lived in wald lake or wixom that we called him supersize and he had built this he was having this big block ford built his bill at kinetic racing engines was 15 g's and the motor wasn't put together yet there's still no push rods There was no push rods no timing chain no rockers. There was like a, a, a no harmonic balancer. I mean, one of them kind of deals, right? Okay. And he wanted to sell me the motor for 5500 So I called my wife. I'm like, hey, check it out. Like, we're already in the process of building this race car. I want to put a big block in it. I can buy this big block for $5,500. And she's like, I don't I think we should wait, you know, because we are living in a furnished apartment. I'm like, look, <clears throat> all the bills are paid. The kids are happy. Fucking everything's taken care of. We're moving back into our brand new fucking house. Like, everything's going to be mint, you know? She's like, let's just wait. So I hung up the phone. I was like, bring that shit over here. I called my dad. I'm like, hey, I know I owe you 12 Gs, but I can buy this motor for fucking five. How about I give you seven now, and I'll give you the other five later. My dad's like fuck yeah Yeah. he told me later he's like i didn't think i was ever gonna see a penny back from your fucking stinking ass when you called me and told me you were gonna give me seven g's and then pay me five later he goes i was writing the other five off (laughs) so karen and i are talking one day we're sitting on the couch in our uh you know furnished apartment that the insurance company's paying for and she's like how much money do we have left and i was like well i think we got like i I think we're sitting in about 30 you know, 35, 36 grand. She's like, Okay. She goes, Did you pay your dad? And I was like, Well, I paid him seven. She's like, Well, don't you owe him twelve? I'm like, Yeah. She's like, Well, where's the other five? I go, I bought that motor. And she's like, I told you no. I told you we were buying that motor that we're waiting till we move back in the house. I'm like, look, dude. I said it was a it was too good of a deal. I tried to include you in, in the <laughs> transaction. You weren't interested in it. I tried the passive sales tactics. It didn't work. I said, so we bought it.
1: She goes... You think I was just going to go no, stare at my shoes no, and go, well, oh, I really wanted to no. do that. She goes, uh,
0: she goes, you're taking it back. I go, I bought that motor from a dude named Supersize through another guy named Howdy. They're not taking... There is no return in that fucking motor, dude. That's our motor.
1: I don't know where they are.
0: You know, I can have found Howdy, but Howdy would have been like, uh, no. Are you out of your fucking yeah. mind? You know? So anyway... Long story short, I built that car. It was so much work. Everything was cool. I ran um, first pass off the trail. I, when I worked at Heinz Park Ford, the dude that worked there was a guy named Bob Cerruti. And Bob Cerruti, it was the, uh, he was the race pack data guy on two pro stock IHRA teams. And so he was our data guy at the, at the dealership. And he's like, oh, how fast do you think your car's going to go? I'm like, I'm telling him how fast. And I had a 4130 chrome molly cage put in it, stock suspension. Keith and Roger Zabo, uh, the one I was telling you about earlier, they gave me the motor plates and the mid plate out of their fucking fast car. And it put the motor back like three and a half or five inches and down four inches. But it put it all the way to where a stock hood would close under a big block with a oh, dominator. Okay. And so the car wouldn't even pull the wheels. But it would go 139, 60 foot on the foot brake with no trans brake. I had a glide in it. Everything was fucking mint, dude. Stock suspension. And I had a 430 set of ring and pinions in it. I go to the track. I call my dad. I'm like, hey, it's the last day the track is open this year, 2001. I said, we're going to the drag strip today and I'm running this car. He's like, I'm on my way. So, because I wasn't even going to tell him, like he lived two doors down from me and I was like, I loaded the car up in the trailer and I'm driving to the track. She's like, you better call your dad. So, you know, at this point, at this point, Karen, you know, the fucking smoke is out of the bottle. My wife has always been supportive of all my stupid ideas and uh, I love her for it. And so we're driving to the track with the kids. I get to Michigan Avenue 275, and two seventy five. She's like, you better call your dad. Your dad will be pissed or upset or bummed. If you don't tell him that you're at least going right. So I call him like, Hey, I just calling him to tell you I'm on my way to the track. I'm going to run this thing. He's like, I'm on my way. So he loads up my <laughs> mom and uh, my sister's kids and they fucking fly down a mile and dragway. And I go through tech and they're like, how fast is the car? And I'm like, I've never run it, and my Bob, my buddy Bob cerruti was like, "Dude, just get down the track. Don't worry about how fast it goes. It's probably only going to go 11s." So I was like, oh, "I've been 11s before. That was the fastest I've ever been. I was like 11 teens." So I was like, "Okay,
1: yeah, get a feel for the car. Get Make sure for it for goes car. straight." Well, yeah. dude,
0: I hired a guy named Rich mccarran from Pro Racecraft Engineering back when he was RJM Motorsports, and he put all the anti-roll bar in it and everything in it, and, like tuned the chassis. Like well he didn't tune the chassis actually. He fucked me that day. He didn't show up at the track. I was like, <laughs> I'm fucking going anyway. So I, I set the pinion angle with the fucking control arms and everything. I get I get in the burnout box and it was a glide. So I was told like just do a burnout in high gear. Just so can, so I, you know, it's a big block Ford Mustang. No one's paying attention to it at the track at all. I've still <laughs> got four lug axles all the way around, but I put <laughs> my my four my four lug axles in the back, I put five eighths dragster studs, like top fuel dragster mm-hmm. studs. Yep put those bitches in there fucking i get not in, in the burnout box and brrr, this car's i'm like damn this thing's fucking i've never driven a fast big block car so i get i click it in the first gear or in the neutral i clean it out a couple times i put it in the first and i fucking launched the car quick just do a dry hop and i was like holy <laughs> shit this thing's fucking this thing's nasty and so I get up on the converter. My dad's standing there. I can see my dad at the starting line, right? Yeah. He's filming me, and I don't know where this film, where the where the tape is. But I remember looking over at my dad and just giving him a thumbs up like this. <laughs> and I put that bitch in the lights, and I fucking launch the car. I get about a thousand feet out. I pull high gear, or probably a little bit less than that because it's a glide. I get out. I get into high gear, and I hit the limiter. It's cars going. And I keep getting in and out of it, in and out of it, and I pull around. I go to the to the timing thing and uh i'm fucking hooting and hollering i grab the ticket and the guy hands it to me and it, i went 10.06 getting in and out of it i was like oh this is a fucking nine second car this is yeah. a legit nine second fucking car well so i get back to the pits and my msd box had a 6800 chip in it and i'm like i'm hitting a limiter at 68 that's the problem is if i take the limiter i gotta find a 72 chip so i go to everybody's pit it was like that you ever seen the movie heart like a wheel No. Okay, well, so Heart Like a Wheel is about Shirley Muldowney and about her being a girl and trying to get to go down the drag strip in a fuel car. Oh, okay. Right? And she, in order to go pro, she's got to have like four pro drivers sign off. Right? Okay. And so she goes up to Don Garlitz. He's like, yeah, sweetie, I'll sign off on it. You know, like, <laughs> she goes to Purdome, I think Garlitz and Perdomo signed off on her, right? A couple people. But she had to go pit to, from pit to pit to pit. Some guys told her to go fuck herself, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm basically being told to go fuck myself. Here I'm all excited, <laughs> fucking, I went 10.06. I'm back at my fucking trailer, fucking <laughs> screaming. No one's there yet. You know, the golf cart hasn't <laughs> rolled up with my parents in it yet. And so I told my dad, I'm like, this is a nine second fucking car. We're going to go nine seconds today. We're going to go nines, dad. And so, he's like all right well what do we got to do i'm like i need a chip and i went to everybody's pit and everybody's like nope i don't have one nope i don't have one i was like my dad goes what are you gonna do i go i'm not running a fucking rev limiter fuck it it's the last race of the year if we break it we got all winter to fucking fix it i go up to the fucking starting line dude run that bitch out the back door 971 at 138 when i got back to my pits dude the crew was there from Milan, and they're like you don't have a fucking license this car's not certified Get (laughs) the fuck off the property and i'm like wait a minute are you telling me that I just went too fast and you're kicking me out? The last race of the year, he's like, "Yep, get this fucker in the trailer." If I see this thing go down the drag strip again, you'll never fucking race here again. I was like, "Nice." Yeah. <laughs> so I put that bitch in the trailer. My dad and I went home. We were dude. We were on cloud fucking nine. Here, this little fucking stock suspension Mustang with a big block and no spray goes fucking 971 on and street tires. Got kicked tires, out of the track and for going too out. fast. So my dad, my dad bragged and bragged and bragged. It was funny. I didn't know this until long after that, but he, he told that was like one of those moments where he was most proud of me because he had saw me build this car from nothing and get everything taken care of in and that. And, and so I had all winter. That was the last time the track was open. So none of my friends had gone that fast yet, and all my friends are building cars. So I was king-dangling for oh, like a yeah. minute, you know? Yeah. So I remember I get home, and I call my buddy Kelly, who lived in Howell, and he was married to a woman named Margaret at the time. And so this is Kelly Longwish. So... I call Kelly Longwish's house, and Margaret answers the phone. I'm like, hey, is Kelly there? She's like, no, he's at PRI right now, the PRI show down in Indy, right? And I was like, okay. And I'm like, I ran my car at the track today. She's like, how fast did it go? And I go, it went 971 and 138. I'm nuts. And she goes, well. (laughs) He's not going to be happy and i know what she's thinking that <laughs> there's 10 grand more yeah, he's exactly. gonna spend. There's, there's my new furniture there's my new dinette set right well, so kelly and i ended up he got his car done and his car didn't go as fast as mine the next year and he 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 fucking. We we're in line i'm in line at the track right he's in line in front of me and the other side so i'm like i don't have to i'm counting the cars like one two three i'm like the third set in he's the second set in, or I'm the fourth set in, he's the second set in, well, he fucking waves somebody past him. <laughs> so here we are, we line up next to each other, and I had the faster car at the time, and Kelly's looking over at me, and I'm fucking looking at him, and we fucking both pull into the staging beams, and as soon as we both lit the second light on the tree, that motherfucker took off. I, I'll be admit, dude, i the first minute I fucking panicked and fucking mashed the gas and chased him, and wh- wh- I grew up, in none of this street outlaw fucking... Bullshit. I, I fucking street outlaws. I, all, yeah, I, of, I, all of you on street outlaws can suck my dick. I'll fucking tell you all day long that fucking show can can eat a dick because you can't red light on the street and you chase you race and this lock in bullshit. Go fuck yourself. You show up. You fucking run your mouth and then you run your car and then yeah. you either go home yeah, with you your... fucking make another race. I don't yeah. put up with this bullshit yeah. fucking yeah. lock ins and this pay if you don't race. Get the fuck out of here. And you chase, you race. End of. If you chase me, there's no fucking red lighting on the street. And I fucking, I'm here to tell you, dude, the kings of the fucking street, the guys that started street racing, modern street racing, guys like Kurt Urban, Dave Henniger, George Beluga, uh, Keith Zabo, uh, Raleigh Creech, Dave Paul, all those dudes, those are the fucking kings. Fucking, uh, who did Rick Dyer, uh, Bruce Keeman, landon uh landon bruner i think his name is no not landon bruner has the kickstart podcast uh there's these dudes that were in the fucking street racing back then man those were the dudes those were the kings and this new street this outlaw street racing shit go fuck yourself i I never i I was never into that show people are trying to get me to watch that show i'm like fuck this as soon as you say you can red light on the street you can kiss my fucking ass dude I'm, I come from the old school, downtown Detroit, street racing next to the fucking Greyhound bus station on 12th Street, Rosa Parks, all that shit. You chase, you race, motherfucker. You I, come down here, yeah. run your mouth, then you run your car, then you go home. <laughs> and everybody gets along, and it's yeah. cool as fuck. So See, I don't know how I got on that tangent. Yeah. Well, I was talking about building my car. Yeah. And so it was so much fucking work. So I raced it that whole year, that whole next year. And in 2002, I take it out one time, and... uh I put a new ignition in it that didn't need chips, right? I put this MSD digital six and I misread the instructions and it was breaking up in the top end and I stayed in it and I fucking, I smoked the motor, three rods and the crank. And I was like, okay, I pulled the motor out, rebuilt the motor. and I was like, I'm done. Sold that motherfucker. And the dude that I sold it to still owns it. He wants me to redo the
1: car for him. He's in Jackson, Mississippi. Got him Jesse Williams. <laughs> See, that's that racing stuff. You know, the, the idea is to go till it breaks you're going to you're, you're you're creating more work for yourself. Right. You know, that's kind of why I I gravitate I think more towards the Harleys because it was just build something cool and hope it doesn't break. Well, build the thing it. yeah,
0: the thing about the Harleys is is that you can actually I mean, we can legitimately go somewhere on these. And you you're not going to yeah. do
1: that in a in a
0: fast street car unless it's nah. got a turbo on it and I'm I'm over that too. I was
1: I hung out with a dude that had a built street car S10, you know, good, big block. those are good cars. Yeah. The old school square body yeah. style S10. So that's a real good drag yeah. car for a truck. And we were going down 475 in Flint. Right. Going to the cruise and the street races yep. on, a, on a Friday or Saturday night. Nice. And I was on my stock Sportster hanging right with him the whole time. Like, just yeah, take down. that slow piece of shit home. <laughs> my little <laughs> two-cylinder just done, you know. <laughs> and, like, I remember we got to the spot, and it was – it was him and his his chick in the, in the S10, and then another good friend of mine and his girlfriend in his Monty. Right. And his and the, the girl in the Monty got out, and she walked right over to me like you were scaring the hell out of me on the expressway. What are you talking about? On the motorcycle? Yeah, I wasn't even. We we're we we're just. I was just hanging with that slow S10 over there because that's what he called it, the slow ride anyway. Yeah. And she's like. We, we stopped being able to keep up with you at, like, 85, 90. I'm like, well, yeah, it's because you're riding in that piece of shit 305 Monty and it can't go anywhere. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, but, yeah, you, you were scaring me on that motorcycle. Well, That's kind of the motorcycle point, Motorcycles scare people.
0: Like, my wife is infinitely afraid of motorcycles. Like, she does not like me riding motorcycles. My daughter, who is now, I mean, my daughter basically unofficially has taken over Cycle Stop USA. I mean, she runs it. She's running oh. it right now. Um, she's. That's you know, cool, I'm man. That gives yet. you the
1: opportunity to come do this kind of stuff. But
0: I'm, you know, she's third generation, and I, I, you know, when my dad died um, back uh, September of 2018, she <clears throat> instantly, like my kids. My kids are funny. Uh, both of my daughters are fucking gangster as fuck when they need to be, and I, I pride myself on the fact that I taught them, I gave them some street smart, so they know when somebody's giving them a line of bullshit. And I also gave them the tools necessary to fucking handle business. Like, I, you know.
1: I remember you talking about them on one of your earlier podcasts. I remember you talking about how they, how they uh, grew up with horses. Well, yeah, they're both really into horses. That's, that's, that's actually, I was going to bring that up because that's actually how I grew up. I would, motorcycles and everything that's in here did not exist. This would actually be, you know, horse barn. I grew yeah. up, you know, I had from the, that was all I knew from Basically, from the earliest I can remember, my dad had standardbred racehorses, and then he got out of that, and we got into uh, show horses. And that's what my kids did. Yeah, and I did that. I did that all the way until I was about fifteen is when I quit doing that. So from eight to fifteen, and then my mom and sister kept doing it, and I got into rodeoing and riding bulls and saddle broncs. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. Guy from that's Michigan. That's fucking gangster. And I, well, I mean, it wasn't like I was any good at it. I was just good ah, enough to dude, keep, do you fucking keep coming back at yourself <laughs> on a
0: fucking two ton fucking animal where you got his nuts jacked up through his fucking belly and he's <laughs> pissed off. He's, they can fucking kill you.
1: I think that's kind of why I gravitated towards motorcycles in a way. Cause every time you did that, and I had friends that died doing this. Sure. That every time you did it, when you, when you sat down in that steel box on top of that animal and tied your hand to it, <clears throat> that might be the last thing you ever do. Yeah, and, and and motorcycles are like that to a point where every time you throw your leg over it, it might be the last thing you ever do. I it, like to think you have is, a little bit more control over it. Well, than, you have a little. It, it's a controlled. It's it's not chaos by any means. Um, but it's it's, it's organized still, chaos. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- that's the thing is like you're
0: looking. At, I'm looking at these motorcycles here that you've built and you maintain, and you you know obviously you're you're extremely passionate about what you do here in in this box, and. You can mitigate some of it, but I, I can see, this, this is just from experience. I can see the purpose in both those bikes. I see what those bikes can, I know what those bikes can do. Like, uh, that, that's the one thing that I have, like, because the lens that I see things through. I've been in so many bike shops. I've been around so many bikers. I've been around so and I don't consider myself a biker by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I know, what, I know what that machine is capable of. So I know when I'm riding with somebody, I instantly know where their threshold is. I don't know how to explain that. It's very innate. And I think it has to do with you grew up on horses. I grew up on two wheels. So there's this gap there where I quit riding uh, and uh, was into cars, right, for about, I would say, a 16-year period, right, from 16 to 30. Everything was cars, 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 cars. But... I grew up on two wheels like I grew up my dad was a custom bike builder in the 70s before I was born so I grew up clutching the tank of a triumph that had and I want to talk to you about that triumph too when we're done because I need help finding it but um, being around a chopper was something that was very not foreign to me at all it's 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 just part of who I am and, and how I'm wired and what I what expectations I have. And I remember my dad wrecking his chopper and I remember my dad being hurt and I remember my dad recovering and I remember my dad getting back on his bike and I remember my mom being supportive of that and not ever, 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 that's one thing I can say about my parents was there was never this, hey, be careful. It was, it was when you live in a family and you grew up in a family like that that isn't afraid of it, uh, they're, not a, they're not, it's not that they don't realize that you can die from it, is that they realize realized you can die from it, right? So the future is the last thing that you run out of. And so that's how they govern themselves. It's a different set of rules. Your parents yeah. probably didn't worry about you getting on a bull, but they worried oh, about you getting on a bull. He, you know he, what
1: I'm saying? The, like, I can tell you that the first time my mom ever came to see me ride, I caught both hind feet in the chest on the ground. So he stomped on me and laid in the arena for about 15 minutes because I have never to this day... Had the wind knocked out of me that bad, ever. Yeah, you got hit by a truck. Yeah, pretty much. And I got kicked in the face in the process, and it split my lip. So my mouth was all full of blood. And I kind of was dazed, and I'm on the ground, and I remember that my mom is on my left, so I turned my head to my right and spit all the blood out of my mouth. Right. And I thought my lungs were collapsed. I thought it was over. Sure. I thought I was going to die right there. That is such a valuable fucking lesson, though.
0: Let's talk about that for a second. Like, you can't buy that. Okay? Oh, yeah. You can't... And you can't impart that on anybody. We can talk about it, and you can be as visceral as you want to be. And unless somebody is sitting right next to you, hearing you tell that story, and the hair stands up on their arms, and like, motherfucker, I know exactly what he's talking about. That's what I'm saying with these motorcycles. I know what the purpose of these motorcycles are based on how you put them together. You know what I'm saying? I know what the purpose of these motorcycles are based on the way you put them mm -hmm. together. I can spot a fucking shitty fucking build, whether it be a car, whether it be a motorcycle... Would be anything a mile of fucking way. I know what quality looks like and I don't care if you're building an airplane, a boat, a four-wheeler, a chopper, a hot rod, a low rider. I know what quality looks like because I've been around it so much and I've been around non-quality and I know what the outcome is of a piss poor piss poor effort equals piss poor results. Oh yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. And, and so that's why I you know, I have dudes, and everybody needs to have these friends, right? You have to have somebody that can fucking pull you off to the side and go, "Hey, what in the fuck are you doing?" And you have to have somebody that can pull you off to the side and go, "Hey, are you all right?" Yeah, right. And then you have to have somebody that I have dudes like I'm sure you've heard in my podcast. I have five dudes, right? Yeah. Yep. So you got Cody. Cody's my fucking that's the dude that can pull me off the side and go what in the fuck are you doing and and it happens quite frequently i get that phone call from cody all the time what in the fuck are you doing man like what did you think was going to happen are you (laughs) fucking stupid right and then the other side of that i got cameron who if i called cameron right now and said hey i'm fucking i got caught with a transvestite hooker (laughs) you know in fucking detroit cameron would be like Okay, well, do you need, you know, you need bus money? What do we got to, you know, I mean, it's okay. Like, we all make mistakes. Like, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, he just doesn't give a shit. So, but, but they both, they both kind of, you know, they both kind of serve that purpose. And you got TikTok that would fucking make fun of me for getting caught with a transvestite hooker, but doesn't give a fuck either, right? You know, so there's, he's right in the middle. TikTok's never going to be the dude going like, "Hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing that?" He's going to stand back and watch me do it, and then yeah, fucking go. Just go that laugh was really stupid, wasn't yeah, dumb <laughs> fuck? Right. So yeah. he's right in the middle of that, yeah. and and I appreciate that. And so, going back to the brevity of any situation that you're in, as long as you keep your uh, uh, what is the what is the the, the mortality. It's yeah. part of how you, make, how, govern yourself, how you govern yourself and how you make decisions. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, but I grew up in a family where motorcycling is not a problem. My daughter bought a motorcycle, and we told my wife. She didn't even buy it to ride. She bought it to flip. Oh, okay. And my wife instantly started crying. She's like, I, you know, the thought of one of her children riding a motorcycle scares the living shit out of her. But fuck around. She'll go over and fucking get on. They have horses yeah shelby's got a horse farm they both have horses over there those horses bite them kick them and i watch my daughters with horses and they don't suffer they fucking lead those two ton animals around mm-hmm. or one ton animals around by their fucking nose and those horses listen to them i'm like telling my wife i'm like look man
1: like they <laughs> that got motorcycle's it. not gonna do what that, that horse motorcycle's is <laughs> not gonna bite them
0: yeah and karen always says it's not them that i worry about i worry about other people on the road which i I fucking understand. That's especially it. if you've ever driven in Florida. Fuck around. Oh, yeah. There's no blinkers. There's no... there's The the trucks don't stay in the fucking right two
1: lane. I mean, everything is a shit show down there. It really is. Yeah, but. I was down there. I was in Jacksonville for the Super Bowl in all four, and we had to go to Orlando to the airport. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was intense. That was intense stretch that of is highway. the butthole of yeah. Florida. Orlando yeah. is the butthole of Florida. For... That's what I keep hearing. Sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why I asked you, did you go to Phoenix or Orlando? Hey. Yeah. You know, Do I you know, was
1: definitely happy with the Phoenix choice. I like that town. Well, yeah.
0: And so let me just back up and, and, and we'll, we'll fucking kind of, we'll wrap it up here on this note because we're at an hour and a half. But MMI, everybody, almost everybody I've hired from MMI,
1: um, they're entitled. I think that, I mean, depending upon the age bracket that you're talking about, you can throw entitlement at almost anybody, that, whether they went to MMI or not. I mean, there, there's, there's a sense of entitlement in, in a younger generation. And even in, even in the generation I'm in, people where, that pay
0: for MMI are much better mechanics and much better technicians than people who
1: use their GI Bill or their parents write the check. I'm just going to say it. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Anything that you have to earn creates a better... Result for yourself. I had Shane that worked for me, he was killed uh,
0: rest in peace, fucking November second, last year, that was a GI. Twenty two years, twenty one years in the Air Force. Came to me and says, Hey, I want to be in the motorcycle business, I wanna open my own shop. And I said, Tell you what, come work for me for two years. I'll teach you everything I know about motorcycle shops that I can teach you in two years. And if at the end of that two years you still want to have your own motorcycle shop, then I will help you open one. Wow if you decide that you don't want to i will pay you more money than anybody in this industry will pay you and i pride myself on that and i stick to that no one pays their employees or their mechanics what i pay my mechanics they just it doesn't exist and you do that on a
1: flat rate schedule or you do this it's a flat
0: rate when you come work for me you get a key after after 90 days you get a key you get an alarm code you set your own schedule you make your own money. I pay you every day. When Netbike leaves and the customer pays me, I pay you right then.
1: And That's beautiful, dude.
0: Shannon will Shannon will bill out over a hundred hours in a month, and he's forty eight dollars an hour. And I put that out here not to tell his business. I put that out there to tell people that like if you work for a shop and they're not paying you enough money, I don't owe anything to any other shop owners. I respect them. They respect me. But my guys do a good job. My guys make a lot of money. Yeah. And they, you get quality. And if they want to raise, it's sitting right over there. Yeah. So, cool, man. I appreciate you uh, opening up your shop and letting me come here. I man. appreciate awesome. you coming out,
1: man. This was fun. It was. Uh...
0: Like I said earlier, man, I'm I'm trying to cast light on on some of the dark spots. Not the dark spots. That sounds right. But, you know when you're in the middle of Michigan in the middle of a farm field and you've got this kind of operation going, you deserve to have some light shine on that. And that's what I, that's what I seek to seek. Well, to do.
1: I, I appreciate that. And I, in actuality, my plan was to try to get out there more this year because I kind of, you know, because of the experience I had with my dad and Sturgis 20 years ago, the rally thing kind of soured me in general and all that.
0: Rallies are still, I, I, I'm more
1: places. open to it now. And well, I wanted to, and then the COVID hit and because of, you know the other business that's here we, we kind of really litigated sure. what we did and didn't really do a whole lot just because we wanted to keep that going
0: well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna finish up with this i'm giving you an invitation right now to be an invited builder at the wheels of steel in 2021 so, really yep so i just well, said thank right you here. yeah invited builder status come you come down to florida show your bikes off get to know some of these people that are in this industry that you're in and so I appreciate
1: that. I was actually yeah. going to talk to you about that because you got a big week next week. I do. I have a very big week next week. So.
0: You have been listening to the Hell on Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Holman.
1: Thank you for listening.